Reva searches for Luke Skywalker. Leia finally returns home. Obi-Wan faces off with Darth Vader and more as the Sky Guys are back to recap part six of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Right, we are back here on the sky guys the season finale of obi-wan kenobi part six is done and dusted it is in the books i am your one of your hosts mike phillips here on the sky guys podcast you're here to break it all down join me today as always the man whose voice here in the introduction every single week Pete constador is here Pete, how are you doing well um hell of a season finale we're gonna talk about it um uh, but i'm glad to Seems like just yesterday we were watching episodes one and two, or parts one and two, I should say, and now we're here at the end. Um, but I'm very excited to talk with you guys about part six. Absolutely. And back with us today, the Grand Inquisitor of this podcast, he is back from Aruba. Nick Freyetta is here. Nick. Hello there. Hello there. Um, what's up? Uh, I... I guess I can't really speak much about the last two episodes because you guys went into huge detail on them, but this one, I had a lot of fun. I'm excited to talk about it. They, I think they did a good job finishing off the show, and yeah, let's 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 discuss episode six or part six. Yeah, absolutely. I want to give a shout-out shout out once again to Alex Fasano and John Stank, who filled your chair the last two weeks here. Since you're not getting a chance to directly comment on these two episodes, anything, anything major you want to get into before we dive into part six? Nothing that I won't bring up in this. Just a uh, great job to both of them. I listened to both episodes when I was away, and they did a great job. Yeah, it was definitely a lot of fun here. And Pete, if people had, you know, want to keep up with what we're doing here on the Sky Guys podcast, they always subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for the Sky Guys podcast and all of the podcasts there. If you're getting us in the Just and the Suffering feed, you're waiting until the weekend for the yeah, recap. Why do that? Just subscribe here and get the day after recording. I mean, couldn't sit there myself. Every week we're in the same position telling you guys to subscribe to the feed. Sky Guys feed is where it's at. You get everything day of. Don't have to wait. Definitely subscribe. Absolutely. And Nick, now you're back on American soil here. You want to let us know how we can follow the Sky Guys on Instagram. Yep. Just go to Sky Guys podcast on Instagram. And that's it. And we have some links to what we discuss here. And then we also have um, memes going out and some friendly discussion. I've been trying to get involved with some uh, other posts, like commenting on them and stuff. I've been doing that a little bit in the last week. So, you know, and, and, because, and, and the following is growing. So keep coming. Yeah, and you can also follow the YouTube version, Mike Phillips on YouTube. You can see fun stuff we do on the video, like the graphics, and I'm bringing my show intel here. I got the Lego Obi-Wan hut here, so I got I brought Lego Obi-Wan on this, Pete. I mean, that's great. I'm glad he can join us. Yeah, I mean, we saw him move out of the cave at the end of this, of this episode, Pete. Now he's probably going to go find the hut. I, that's a, I would assume so. Yeah. I would assume so. That's the next move. Yeah. Nick, season two is uh, Obi-Wan moving into his hut. Um, no, <laughs> no, I think we already moved in when we had, when we get season two and, and you heard that correctly when we get season two. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit and as we do every week here, we're keeping a little light because there's a big episode here, Nick. Now you're back in the saddle. You want to give us the star Wars news here? What's the big news items of the week? 
Uh, only really one. We got the the Lego Summer Vacation, Lego Star Wars Summer Vacation special trailer. It's going to come out on August 5th on Disney Plus only. And just looks like a fun little uh, Lego thing, similar to the, we did the... Um, we did the... Halloween one. The, ter- the Halloween one. There was also a Christmas one, correct? Yep. And now it looks like we're going to get a summer one. And based on what I'm seeing in the description here, it is set shortly after the rise of Skywalker. And uh, has a couple of voices, a couple of returning people. And one of the voices who's not returning, but a new voice, is Weird Al. Yeah, Weird Al is a song in this, Pete. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. Uh, Scarif Beach Party. Yeah, it's going to be a, a Weird Al Lego Star Wars song. Yeah. Last last Weird Al Lego or not Lego Lego last the last Weird Al Star Wars I remember I'm sure we all know was the uh, American Pie parody of the, the what do they call it Anakin guy or something I don't know what they called the song actually yeah I also say here Pete that this special is taking place at the Galactic Star Cruiser the hotel that Disney's trying to pimp so they have the Lego version of it going on here uh-huh. costs us two thousand dollars to watch it. Yeah, plus another thousand dollars for us to do the group watch and watch it together, Nick. Yep, and and uh, if you want to watch? You're gonna have YouTube Premium, which is basically that price too. Yep. So everybody knows we're going to watch that in between the season because this comes out before Andor comes out. So we're gonna have a, spe- a special episode coming next month, or actually two, like about a month and a half from now. We're gonna break it all down. Yeah, let's get some fun, Nick. It will be, yeah. And I, and I actually, by the way, do have. Um, YouTube Premium. <laughs> so you can hook us it up. It was free. It was free. It was free for four months. So I figured do it, and I put it in my calendar to go off as an alert to remember to cancel it. But so I might get charged one month, but I got it. All right, there you go. And let's get into this episode here because there is so 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 much going on here. And I gotta say here, Pete, like this one was a lot of fun. Hundred uh, percent. It's a fast paced episode. It's a little bit more an homage to the actual Star Wars films where it's just fast paced and things just happen randomly. They don't show every single little piece of information, which I I actually appreciate. I don't think we need to see every little detail to, you know, get through the story. Um, Definitely a fast paced short episode for what an event finale is, whatever they was calling it. I don't know why Disney has this thing against something being over an hour long episode, except for, I feel like Mandalorian might've been over an hour was probably the only one that was that that broke that 60 minute mark. Um but yeah, it, it was fast paced, it was fun. I enjoyed it thoroughly and and we'll talk about it obviously further uh, and more in depth coming up. Yeah, Nick, general thoughts is I did like the fact that basically the whole time basically you had just cutting back and forth between the two store ones, the Tatooine one and the Obi-Wan one. I did I like that we didn't waste any time on other things for pretty much 3 quarters of the episode. Yeah, definitely. Um <clears throat> that's like a classic thing in shows, right? You go have like two stories going on. Usually they come together in the end, but yes, they kind of did in this too, but that's a classic thing. And I think both stories were pretty good. So I think it was a good episode. I, I enjoyed it. I didn't have any major issues. Of course you can nitpick it to the ground if you want to, but I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to either. I mean, I, the way I see it is like, is there some bad writing in there to try and justify some things in the movie? Sure. But overall, I had a very good time. Exactly. Exactly. We'll get to the bad writing in a bit here, but we'll start off here with this situation here. And Pete, we start off. Reva is back on Tatooine. She is going to go look for Owen because she remembers him from the recording and from her meeting in part one. And 
I feel bad for this poor dude who's trying to just make a living running his stand and Reef is hitting him up for information, just basically threatening to torture him like, hey, where's Owen? So I'm assuming he squeals, but tough starts the day for that dude. Yeah, tough start indeed. Uh, in that situation, what do you do? Um, I, I think... I'm not saying I don't like that we don't see what happens to Reef in between Tatooine and um, Jabim, right? Yeah. Um, but... I don't think it was necessary to waste 10 minutes on how she gets there. Um, so it, it was, it's kind of a love hate kind of start to the, to the episode for me. Um, but overall she's there, she's alive. Um, and she's trying to get some information. Yeah. She gets her information and Nick, we do cut now to the situation here where Vader's star is pursuing Obi-Wan ship. The ship we talked about last episode was damaged. Roken basically tells everybody like, it's all right. Like, we need time to fix the hyperdrive. It's going to be fine. Obi-Wan kind of senses that Roken is lying. We get this little bit of setting to see on the ship here. Obi-Wan sort of quickly figures out, you know, I got to buy these guys some time to get out of here. We also give credit to little Leia using Lola to help comfort a frightened child. Very mature for a 10-year-old. Yeah, yeah. I think um, on Tatooine, by the way, when Reva threatened that guy at the stand, you know the guy who, like, cut the line? Yeah. I think that was the boss from the first episode of the Obi-Wan's Shashimi yeah. thing. Oh, the meat, the uh, meat collector. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was the guy. And I said back then, I can't get this guy an LVP. We're never going to see him again. <laughs> we did see him again. We did see him again. And um, I, I didn't like how the, the Reva stuff, how they didn't show how she got there. But like, I also don't care that much, but the reason I don't really love it is like, there were no ships. Like she had to find a ship with the hyperdrive to get there. Like, you know what I mean? It just seemed like she was left for dead and then she was just like, fine. And like how much time passed? It, not a big deal, but one of those things I said, if we want to, we can, we can run this thing to the ground, but I don't want to do that. But on the ship, I was getting a little annoyed with Leia, honestly, because Obi-Wan was like, he's like saying, I need to go. And she's like, no, no. And I think everyone's doing the right thing. And they say a Jedi is at its at it is at his strongest or her strongest when they're helping other people. And that's exactly what she he was trying to do. And everyone's like, no, including not just Leia, including everybody. No, we need you. You can't go. You can't go. And it's just like, guess I'm going. Like, this is what I decided to do. So I'm going to keep you safe. And it's kind of annoyed me that they wanted to stop him. Yeah, at the same time, though, Pete, she's 10. I can't blame her for, like, because she's gotten very attached to this, this man over the past, like, week of her life, and all of a sudden he's running away. She knows, she has a sense, you know, he might not come back. I didn't get the sense of the stress for a 10-year-old. Yeah, I mean, you have this protagonist or this character or even person in your life that uh, is helping you get saved, and that person's like, okay, I'm leaving. I can understand the general public going, what what the hell do you mean? you got to get us out of here, selfishly. Right? I, they, they don't understand, I would say, the general public of Star Wars the general community doesn't understand that Jedi, like Nick said, are, are most powerful and best at what they do when they're helping others in any situation, whether that be it means leaving them or sticking with them. Um, but you're right. Leia is a 10 year old girl. I think we forget that a little bit in the mature stature that she has when she, when she speaks and she thinks, um, but it, the fact of the matter is she's 10. She doesn't want her, I don't want to say best friend, but her friend who saved her to leave. Makes sense. Yeah, it does. And we do cut back to Tatooine afterwards here. We see that Owen and Luke are running errands, and the guy who had the rough morning at the stand, to his credit, goes to Owen and says, hey, like, 
somebody's looking for you and he tells her who it is. And Owen basically has that like, oh shit moment. I got to do something here. So I give credit to the, uh, to this guy running the stand, Nick. He, he's a solid friend to Owen. He, he gives him the heads up after Reba basically like, uh, like punks him for information. A, a nobleman, a yes. nobleman, a lot of respect. Very noble of him to do that. Yeah, very, very noble of him to do that. We do go back to the ship again, Pete. We see that Obi-Wan entrusts Leia to Haja to complete the journey here. And I did think it was a fun exchange since our last time we see Kamal Johnny on the show this season. He's basically like, hey, you know, like, I'm honored to do it for you, even though, like, my word is, like, the word of, like, a con man and a fake Jedi. And Obi-Wan's like, good enough for me. So I did think it was nice that he sees the good in Haja. Yeah, absolutely. And you can kind of see in Haja's face that when everyone says that's good enough for me, kind of gives him that, like, kind of like good feeling like you'd see he like feels good about himself rather than conning people to get them off. I mean, he's not conning them. He's paying, getting people to pay him to get them off world. You know, we don't see a ton of character development on screen, but it, that character comes full circle, right? Um, he goes from someone who's charging people, faking he's a Jedi to get them off world to actually trying to help people in part of what is to become the rebellion. So it is definitely nice to see that that character had a purpose and it wasn't just like a one-off character in episode two and you don't see it again. see him again. Yeah, Nick, we got Haja back last week. See him again for the last time here. What'd you think about the growth of Haja? <clears throat> I, I think it is less about the growth of Haja and more about the growth of Obi-Wan and trusting Haja. You did see growth in Haja, absolutely, but I think it was about Obi-Wan trusting him and how Obi-Wan went from I'm not helping anybody and not trusting anybody to I'm helping everybody and I'm trusting this guy who had every reason to not trust. And that shows how much Obi-Wan has grown from one to six and, and how, you know, when we come into this show, he's basically, he's a torn down version, but he's basically the guy we saw in Revenge of the Sith. And when we leave this show, he is basically Alec Guinness. Yeah, he's, he's right about, he's on his way there. Yeah. Yeah, I also do think, Pete, in terms of the Haja thing, I do think it's important to point out that, like, in episode, like, part three of the series, he doesn't trust him, especially when, like, they land and, and then he's not patient enough to wait for the pickup. And then once he sees that he's working with Tala and Tala basically earns his trust, and, you know, maybe this guy's not so bad. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we see character growth of Obi-Wan, too, this, this whole series. And I think this episode shows that he finally is like, listen, you're going to do fine with Leia. Protect her. I trust you. Um, and yeah, I mean, that, that, that's, that's, I don't know how much more we can get out of a, a secondary character like that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And Nick, we go back to Tatooine again. We see Owen brings Luke home. He goes and talks to Baru, who actually is in the show, and she gets lines in this episode. So Baru basically like calls Owen out and says, you know what, like, why did you chase Ben away? Like he was here to help us. And then Owen's like, we need to get a plan together. And Baru says, no, we're not getting more people involved in our match. We're going to do this ourselves. So strong character moment for Baru here, basically like put Owen in his place a little bit. It, Baru does this a few times in the episode, kind of like sticking up for Obi-Wan. Yeah. Does it later on also, but um, very strong moment. And it just shows that they both care for Luke deeply, but in, and they have different ideas on how to keep him safe, yeah. which is very normal. And, marriage and relationships and all that yeah same goal but different ideas on how to get there yeah p i'm glad she actually got some lines here because i remember we saw in the premiere like she just saw her in the distance and then she didn't get to go into the market with with Owen and then say oh is this gonna be all we get her in the show and i mean she's a character who's gotten short shrift throughout her appearance in the star wars universe nice to actually see her get a little bit of voice yeah absolutely i think it was it was good i think it would have been 
it would have been great if they just kind of told Aunt Beru, like, you know, Owen was like, go hide in a hide with Luke and that's it. And she's just cowering. I really like uh, cowering behind like a door. I really like how both Owen and Aunt Beru are defending the homestead. Right. Um, I think that's a really powerful scene. And I think it's a really powerful moment to show, like you had mentioned, how, how much they do care for and love Luke. Yeah, it is. And then we go back to the ship. Obi-Wan says goodbye to Leia. We talked about this a little bit earlier. And Nick, he gives her Tala's holster. And basically, I did think it was funny where she's like, there's no weapon. He's like, you're 10. I'm not giving you a gun. I thought that was actually pretty like a fun, funny moment in a very like deep episode, emotional episode. I did think that was funny, too. I think that's, that's a good type of humor for Star Wars. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed that. Nice that he gave her that. Obviously, you know, makes the character live on in the in the future and shows us kind of like her becoming the princess Leia that we know. Yeah, she does get inspired. I do. I, I, would, I was trying to look online and see if this holster is something that's relevant later on in Leia's character. I think they say it's similar to the one she has in Return of the Jedi, but I'm not sure it's the same one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm probably not, but it's, it maybe it just makes her want to hold a holster. You know what I mean? Yep. So either way, it serves its purpose, and it's not just some. Maybe it is. It, it is pretty similar to the Han Solo dice situation, but it's fine. It is fine. Also, at this point, after after he chats with Leia, P goes talks to our good friend Roken, and Roken basically says, "You don't have to do this. We can fix the hyperdrive." And Obi Wan says, "No, I have to do this." And they basically discuss here oh. that he basically realized, like, "Oh, like you have to go." deal with vader and basically have this conversation here but again after we dislike roken when he showed up and changed his mind about 30 seconds of Obi-Wan, i feel like he's also gotten a bit better the last few episodes yeah I, I think that was a product of fitting a lot into an episode i don't think that was a product of the character um those secondary characters i guess don't really get much thought when it comes to writing when it comes to plot points and also story progression because that that writing on that episode was just it was just like turned on a dime but yeah he's he's a good character um the actor i think plays the character very well um I, one thing i just want to mention about the holster with leia just to go back is i think it's very important that obi-wan said i'm not going to give you a blast you're 10 but you're not always going to be 10 and i think that's kind of the driving force that that gives leia that motivation so i just wanted to throw that in there i thought that was pretty cool um but yeah roken roken's a fine character i don't mind him in these episodes it was weird to flop flop this position very quickly in that one episode episode three yeah. three or four, four excuse yeah. me. um but it is you know i think it's a product of the writing i think it's a product of what they needed to do to get through star wars again you could just make these episodes a tad longer um budgetary wise i can't comment on how much money and how long the episodes could be and how much they could film but uh, you know I put that on Hollywood. I don't put that on, on the character. Yeah. Or the actor. Right. Exactly. I mean, you're, you're, you're told, you know, who knows there might've been a scene that was three minutes long. That was cut down to 30 seconds. And they just had to keep those two, like, okay, I'm going to help you part. You know, there might've been more to it and we just didn't get to see it. Yeah. Nick, I something we're going to talk about next week. We're going to do a postseason wrap up show. We're going to have a guest come on for that one. And I, this is one thing I want to sort of put in people's minds here. I feel like a lot of the characters we introduce in this show, whether it's Roken, whether it's Haja, Reva, obviously, I think a lot of these characters that pop up in future projects here or in this sort of time period. You think a lot of them will or some of them? I, I think a lot of them will. I don't know about a lot of them. Well, we'll see. I, I think we'll get a, you know, maybe one or two, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing more of them again. Like, 
Kaja, for example, and uh, even even uh, Roken, who I thought, you know, you know, I gave him my LVP for episode four. It didn't, since then, I think he's been completely fine. I have no issues with him at all. But I think we might see them again, but I don't know how many we'll see. Yeah, so anyway, what's going on here is basically Obi-Wan... Apparently they have a shuttle on there that's like a part uh, that's in the transport. Oh, we want hops on the shuttle. We cut to Vader's uh, uh, star destroyer. He's hanging out with the Grand Inquisitor on the on the deck, and the GI points out like, "Hey, there's a ship leaving with one humanoid on it." And Vader's like, "That's Obi Wan." And the GI Pete basically counsels him and says, "Hey, you know, like, forget him. He's, he's only one Jedi. Like, let's go just wipe out all of these guys and just end all these rebels before we can get it." And Vader's is going to foreshadow a lot last week. He says, this is not an ordinary Jedi. So he directs the entire Star Destroyer to follow Obi-Wan and let all those rebels escape. So you see, we saw it last week. Can you again, the emotion of Vader's judgment being clouded here by his fascination with trying to get Obi-Wan. Yeah, 100%. Uh, tunnel vision. Also, it's important that he lets the, the rebels go because it starts the rebellion at some point. Um, I feel like if they didn't make that Hollywood choice, he could have broken can in a little bit i mean granted there's still another what five or six years prior to a new hope at that point maybe four or five um nine. so i'm sorry say it again nine years still between obi-wan and a new yep. hope yep and so nine years so a rebellion could have uh popped through uh but i mean i i think i think it works both for canon for story and say hey the rebellion kind of lives on and also that tunnel vision, right? That Darth had Darth Vader has. That's like, hey, I I need to get this dude. Like that, I'm not letting him. So, I think it was uh, smart writing. Yeah, and I think Nick also the Grand Inquisitor comes out here. That is here looking pretty pretty good because I mean he he offers the correct logical argument here, but he's also smart. No, I'm not going to piss Vader off. I'm not going to get myself like sliced in half because I don't get in the way of his anger. It seems like. They just had to have him in that scene because he was in the show, and that definitely should have been Tarkin standing next to him, but like it needed to be Grand Inquisitor because he was in the show and Tarkin wasn't. Yeah. But yeah, he had the right idea and snows all right, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna start anything with him. You know, the last person in the world in the galaxy you want to start something with, maybe the second last person after the Emperor, but you're not gonna start anything with Lord Vader. Yeah. You are not. You are definitely not going to do that. And that's the last to see the Grand Inquisitor. We'll talk about him a little next week as well. And then we go back to Tatooine, Nick, and Owen Collins. Luke down basically says, "Hey, you know what? Like, we're the Tuscans are raiding the uh, area again. We're going to protect the farm. Go hide in this cabinet." So again, just very quick, like, just put him out of the way and just don't frighten him. Tell him, "Oh, there's like some crazy lady with a lightsaber coming after you." Yeah, and don't mention the word lightsaber around him either because he shouldn't know what that is. Yeah, they do address that clever. They do handle that clever later on. I'll get to that in a second. I, I think so too. Uh, but yeah, good idea. Get the you know, give him a real sense of fear, but not don't you know, don't freak him out. Yeah, yeah. get him like, oh, this is important. I actually need to do this, but I'm not in danger of dying. You know, that's the difference that you got to tell a kid. Yeah, absolutely. And Pete, we, I, I, we continue cutting. We're going back to the Obi Wan storyline. Obi Wan lands on a rocky moon, basically. Vader, despite having all his horses again, it's a personal thing for him. He says, I'm doing this myself. So he takes his shuttle. He goes after Obi-Wan alone. So once they saw that, happen, okay, we are getting the rematch here. I was excited once this started. I was excited that the rematch didn't happen on Tatooine. That, that was like the first thing I was excited about. I was like, okay, we're getting a new moon world, whatever. Um, and, and this starts probably one of the best sequences in Star Wars franchise history, in my opinion. Um, this was... 
huge. I mean, uh, granted, the battle of Mustafar is, is definitely a, a very not battle, but the, the duel on Mustafar is is top tier. But this is, in my opinion, one of the best sequences we have in Star Wars. Yeah, I, I'm going to jump in and talk about people complaining and I'm seeing all over the internet. People are going crazy complaining. Their duel was not on Mustafar because the concept art was on Mustafar. Like you're complaining that the Obi-Wan Vader rematch wasn't on the planet that you thought it was going to be shut up. <laughs> find every reason to complain. I've seen so many complaints about this episode and the show in general. I have a list of complaints at this show too, but I think at the end of the day, all of my complaints, none of them are that big of a deal. And that's why I like the show. But the fact that, you know, like nothing in my opinion, there are things that broke canon, but nothing destroyed canon. The story of Star Wars still lives. It's not broken. Yeah, you had a little thing like, oh, you know, the most common one is Leia and Obi-Wan and how she didn't react when he died in A New Hope. Yeah, yeah, that's true. She probably would have been a little more upset, but it doesn't break the story. Maybe she just like, maybe in my mind, Leia's been a soldier of the rebels basically in a new hope for years so she probably sees a lot of people die that she's close with so she knows how to handle it really well this is, you know just because luke screamed doesn't mean she had a scream luke's never seen anyone die from his uncle and aunt yeah. didn't even see it happen yeah that's a fair point and i do think like i don't think putting us on mustafar would have been too repetitive in my opinion as well because we just saw them fight there in episode three i think Putting it on a different environmental setting with the rocks and the moon and like all the barren wasteland. I I thought that worked out pretty well, Pete. I agree. I also think the contrast of the the moon versus the lightsabers made everything pop more. I feel like if we had Mustafar with all the red lava and stuff, you wouldn't have gotten that same outcome, especially with a red lightsaber. I mean, this is this is I'm bringing it down to like nitpicky little nitty-gritty stuff remember the the first duel on mustafar was blue lightsaber versus blue lightsaber definitely didn't blend in with the red lava now you have darth vader with a red lightsaber with red lava it may not have the same impact so you know who knows maybe their first intention was to have it on mustafar and they said okay this is not going to look as dramatic or good we need to put it on a more bland if you will planet or moon or whatever it is they could have put it on an area in mustafar that wasn't lava they could with have. rocks, sure, but like again, who cares? It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, for me, I think the thing I care more about was like that it looked visually interesting, and they did like I think I like they had both the lightsaber scenes at night, so you really have the glow of the lights, like just like illuminating the characters as they're getting ready to fight. I thought that was very cool, Pete. Oh yeah, the 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 scenes were beautiful. I mean, I I, I don't think anyone. <sighs> would disagree with that if they do then i mean i just don't know what else you want you know i mean it's 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 a it's a tv show it's not a multi-million dollar movie granted it was probably a multi-million dollar show but i'm sure the budget on a movie is a lot more um because you have box office standings and everything like that however it's just it looked great i think a lot of their budget went to this episode and this scene you know and also other scenes like the like the, the star destroyer and everything like that but it it looked great it really did, and I also want to point out here a couple of things real quick before we get into the actual like fight here is that Leia, when she was hugging Obi-Wan, did sneak Lola into, into his cloak, so she gave him something to remember her by. I thought that was very nice, and at this point, Reva has shown up at the at the uh, Lars homestead, so this is a point that where we're getting basically, we're cutting back and forth frequently between these two like fight sequences the rest of the episode. I thought that was, I thought that was very effective, too, to just keep us like 
and entertain and not get like too bored of one storyline. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. It's it's how it should be in every show. I mentioned that's how they do it a lot in other TV shows, and the stories come together. Yeah. It's a very common thing, and I don't. I think that the you know the the fight itself, the rematch of the century, was a bit overplayed in terms of the fight. But I still think the moment was fantastic, and yeah, I think the fight itself like wasn't as good as it was in episode three, but the the meaning, the emotion was everything it was advertised to be. Yeah, I mean, we do get some iconic moments here. I mean, we see Obi-Wan do his classic lightsaber pose. He's done, I think, we see it in episode three. We see it, he's going to do it in a few years in Rebels. He's going to do it again, I think, in episode, I think, I think in Clone Wars he does it quite a bit. And you get him saying, I'll do what I must, the direct reference to episode three, the line says right before he starts the, the duel on Mustafar. And that was a fun callback. Was a lot of callbacks this episode. Yeah, great callback. Yep. Yeah, great callback. I mean, as everyone, when he said it, that's one of those lines that when he says it, everyone knows what yep. he's referring to. Like everyone knew, yep. and that's was a lot of fun. Everyone, you know, we were all waiting for, we're all waiting for like hello there and the high ground, but we got this, and that was a great line. It was a great line. The fight starts there. We see Reva attacking the homestead here, and I gotta say, Pete, for being basically two moisture fires with guns and no, and fighting a dark side user, they had a pretty decent plan to start off with and you know, hiding in the shadows, try and blast her off guard. Yeah, I mean, they got to deal with the, you know, the Raiders, right? Tuscan Raiders and, and everything on Tatooine. Um, but I do have to say, we're seeing a hurt Reva. I don't think she really recovered from what happened with uh, yep. Darth in episode five, um, part five, I should say. I keep saying episode like it's the movie. Um, in part five, I, uh, so I, I don't think she's top of her game. I really, I really don't. And I'm not to, not to take away from Amparu and Uncle O, but I, if she's top of her game, I don't think she's struggling that much. Yeah. And I don't think Uncle O gets one hit on her, honestly. I mean, not, not to, not to say I love, I'm, you know, love the character Riva and I think she's, you know, a badass. I just think she yells a lot in this movie, in this uh, series, but, um, with some, some cool parts too. But like when it comes to fighting, like I really haven't seen anything that's like over the top, like great. I just, I just don't think if she, I think if she's a hundred percent, I don't think Owen and Baru are, are doing pretty much anything. Yeah, definitely not here. And we do get the big star of the fight here, Nick. You do see that Vader is winning much early on. And then one of my cool, one of the coolest moments of the scene from him is like, he basically just used the force, like smashes the ground, causes an earthquake. Let's Obi-Wan Cloud just starts pummeling him with rocks. And he tries to bury him alive. Just like smart, like basically smashing the death here. I thought this was fun. I did like this. Use the oh force. yeah. Especially when he stood over him and he went, it's over, Obi-Wan. I have the high ground. That was awesome. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. That was, that was all. And I, I understand it would have been very cringy if he said something like that, but I was actually expecting it. I really was. It, not like that. I was over. Just saying, like, now I have the high ground, Master, or something like that, you know? But um, the beginning of the fight was awesome. I noticed one thing that turns me off with the fight. It's one of the few things. It's. It's they've been doing this in Disney, Star Wars. They cut the camera a lot and they shake the camera a lot. They don't let you get a good look at what they're actually doing. When in the prequels, they don't do that and you get a good idea of what they're doing. And I think it's because the choreography is not as good as it was in the prequels. Yeah, I think they're more focused on having, you know, like Ewan McGregor actually like doing as many of his own stunts as possible. It'd be harder for him at this age than it was yeah. when he was in 2005 to be shooting this. I agree. And like, there's not. 
they still have little like intense lightsaber fights. Like this was probably as close to a prequel fight as we've gotten since the prequels. But that being said, they're not doing twenty foot backflips and you know stuff like that. They're not like jumping from rocks to rocks on like dropping on top of yeah. droids. Not doing any of that. Not doing that stuff. But like it's it's much more that in the sequels where the sequels they gave it a very realistic feel as if they were very heavy two-handed swords and they were fighting but that was kind of like how the lightsabers were as opposed to the prequels when someone can wield the lightsaber with one hand very easily yeah and pete what'd you think of the uh force earthquake that, that vader creates no i think it's sick i think it's i think it's really really cool you know i i um I understand what Nick is saying about the the choreography and stuff and the shaking. I think also too, just from a Hollywood perspective, I think that shaking is supposed to immerse you into the fight more like you're there. Uh, I, I don't know if that's necessarily something that's captured in this scene for this series. Uh, it's captured in other things. Um, you know, John Wick, that movie franchise is a lot of kind of handheld work and it kind of makes you feel like you're there, but different kind of movie, different kind of shots. So it, it, it works for some, but not for all. Um, but I also think the choreography wasn't terrible. Oh, no, I thought it was good. I just thought it wasn't as good as it was in the prequels. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think, you know, if I were to to rate this, you know, I would I would give it like top five, um, maybe even top three when it comes to sequences. Not so much the, the lightsaber battle. We can talk about this more in the recap. But I think the sequence itself, the whole fight and what it means was, was top tier for, for Star Wars franchise. Um, but... Like you said, I was kind of waiting for him to say, now who has the high ground or something like that, which would have been very Vader-like. Like, I feel like that is something he would have said, and it would have made sense for him to say something like that, like you said. But it's just, it's uh, a missed opportunity, because I think they just should have done it. I don't think anyone would have been terribly upset if it was, even if it was done in a corny way. Like, kind of like in, like, Spider-Man, like, they did all the, they said all the memes in that movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All of them. I didn't have any shame, and like no one was upset. Like no one was leaving the movie going, "I can't believe Norman Osborn said that." Like no one, no one cared. Yeah, no one did care. And Nick, we'll go back to uh, Tatooine for a second here. We get Reva catching up to Owen, and Reva basically her thing is like, "Owen asks what she wants. Like I want justice." Is like you treat him like he's your own. Owen says he he is my son, basically, and he he buys time for Luke to get away. And I thought this was nice for Owen to basically show how much he cares about Luke. I agree, and I'm still. Con- I get it, but I'm very confused with what's going on in Reva's mind right now. I think she. But I understand. I understand what it is. It's that she was playing the dark side for so long that she slipped away, and now she's confused and conflicted. Yeah, I say she's like a little on it. She, again, she's like very unhinged in this scene, where she's sort of like yeah. acting out of impulse and not really thinking about what she's what she's doing. Yeah, and that's because she fell. She was. So it's, it's an interesting concept, actually. She fell to the dark side. By pretending to be a dark side member, she actually did. Yeah. She didn't realize it in front of her own eyes. She became what she swore to destroy. Yeah. Which is an interesting way to turn. We've heard it in all these different ways. We saw Anakin, he was lied to. We saw Kylo, he felt betrayed. We, I feel like Dooku is kind of like a combination of the two where he kind of like felt betrayed to and lied to by the Jedi Council. But you don't really know what happens with Maul and his backstory. You just kind of was taken i think from other talls i don't really think there's anything else to it but this is like a new way of seeing how someone turned to the dark side it's i wasn't really planning on it just kind of happened you know yeah fair point and i do think we do go back to uh the battle here and we cut to the perspective of the avalanche of the earthquake here 
And we see that Obi-Wan is just using the force to hold up the rocks and keep himself from being completely crushed here. And this is something, Pete, where I was convinced when this happens, like, oh, this is where Qui-Gon's gonna come in. Obi-Wan's gonna come to Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon's gonna help him get out of this. He's gonna, you know, escape that way. Because we saw him talk to Qui-Gon earlier in the episode and didn't mention the time. He said, hey, you know, like, I'm gonna have to kill Anakin. Like, I'm sorry, Master. Either he's gonna die or I'm gonna die. But I thought it was nice that instead we get these, like, moments where he's, like, hearing first what Anakin is saying to him like in the past about, like, just taunting him. And then he get overpowered by the shots of, like, Luke, young Luke and young Leia. And it starts giving him, like, the emotional pull to, like, find the strength and the force to just get out of this situation and get himself back in the fight. I thought that was a nice, like, change compared to, like, the stagnant Obi-Wan we've had in the past. Yeah, 100%. And I think that it's interesting to see that the light side of the force gave him more power than the negative, right? I mean, they've, they've always marketed that the Sith are stronger because they use hate, but light always prevails kind of a thing. Um, but I think it was cool that with Obi-Wan in his case, that thinking of protecting Leia and Luke and thinking of the light side of the force made him overcome, you know, when thinking about Anakin and all, all his demons didn't, didn't fuel anything. It was just kind of making him worse. So it was a cool scene. I agree with you. I thought, uh, Qui-Gon was going to show up at that point, um, but he didn't, and that's fine, too. I'm not upset about how they did this. Whatsoever. And, Nick, what did you think about that? This is rare. I mean, they talk to the Jedi not to form connections and, like, basically, like, avoid that stuff. And then here, he's using his connections to Anakin through the twins to, like, get him to get himself, like, the energy he needs to get out of here. I like it. I like it a lot. I'm surprised you did not pick up on this mic. Maybe you did, but you didn't mention it in our rundown and you haven't said it yet. Usually you're the one to comment when they are trying to make a sequel scene make sense. And this is this is how they make the rocks make sense. Yeah, with Ray. That's right. Yeah, I was thinking I thought this is not I I thought this is more like an Iron Man joke. We see him like standing in the beginning of uh Iron Man 1 with all the missiles fired behind it. This is more like, you know, we see he comes up and Obi-Wan. Combination. Is, it was it was, it was was Tony Skywalker or Ray Stark. Yeah. We'll go with Ray Stark. I think it sounds more like appropriate here. So he is the Ray Stark where he basically just pelt, starts pelting Vader with all of these rocks. And we see he just gets shaken up here. Quick detour back to Tatooine, Pete. Real quick, Mike, before yeah. you go on, there is a line from Obi-Wan Kenobi to Maul that goes, that it fits perfect here. And this is exactly why I think Obi-Wan prevails here. So Obi-Wan says to Maul, this is in the, um, um, is the Rebel episode. I can't remember if it Rebels or Clone Wars, I'll be honest with you, but either way, he goes, you can kill me, but you will never destroy me. It takes strength to resist the star, to resist the dark side. Only the weak embrace it. And Maul says back to him, it's more powerful than you know. And Obi-Wan says, and those who oppose it are more powerful than you'll ever be. I know where you're I know where you are from. I've been to your village. I know your decision to draw the side to join the dark side was not for you. The night sisters made you. So in other words, you're not stronger because you use the dark side, you're weaker. You're stronger if you resist it. You're stronger to overcome fear than let fear consume you. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's directly from I think that's from Clone Wars then, because I know this is the only time because I, I, I think so too. I think Rebels like talk for like a second before he before he dies. They talk mostly about Luke. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Luke, Pete, we do see here that Reva chases Luke into a valley, and we see later on that basically she basically knocks him down. She pulls him to the ground, and this is, I think, we're going to leave it here for a little bit. I do think that this is a clever way around the whole 
Luke's never seen a lightsaber before when he's in episode four because Rhea basically knocks him out when she uh, she pulls him down from the cliff with the force. So like he is unconscious when she's starting thinking about killing him. Yeah, this is this is very good for them to to be careful about canon, right? I mean, this is this is something that can be easily overseen. And I think it was it was a clever way. It, it doesn't seem forced. It doesn't seem like, oh, they just put a band-aid over something to make sure that Luke doesn't know, you know, there's a lightsaber involved. So I I, I really like it. Um I also like well, so hang on. No, he's sorry, he's climbing out of the of the yeah. roof. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So no, they they definitely do a good job with with him not seeing the lightsaber and uh and it like like I said before, it, it's not forced, thank God. A lot of things with Rita's character was forced. And I just I, I I'm glad that at least something with her in it was more organic and natural. Yeah. And we go back here to we'll go back. So to- Pete, let me ask you something. I'm just thinking about this now. Wasn't Reva's character forced on purpose because she was forcing herself to use the dark side? Yeah, I mean that that is a good point. I mean, I'm, start, I, I'm starting to think like that ever since the la- the end of last episode, and I'm starting to think that I really despised his character, and I don't anymore. Yeah, we we might we might have that epiphany that you had about how Anakin Skywalker's like character talks and it has to correlate with how he talks in the video. Right, yeah. It's definitely a possibility. And I'm sure we'll, we'll go more in depth when we do the recap show. Yeah. But, but Reva's character and storyline had a lot of opportunity. I just don't think it was executed. Well, the oh, act- I agree. now, now knowing what we know and, and the theories that we have, the acting may have been spot on then or at least close, but the execution of the character in the show in general was poor. So I saw an article today and the article had made two points. And I know this is something we should be discussing on the recap show, but I we'll go, can't wait to talk about this. We'll go deeper next week. We'll go deeper on it, but I'll just bring the article up real quick. The article had two points. The first point was Reva's intentions should have been presented to us in episode two, not episode five. Then we would have cared more. I completely agree with that. And the other argument I made was that Obi-Wan should have learned that Vader was alive in episode five. That's just really dumb. <laughs> he should have known the whole time. Him knowing it all was stupid. Like him learning it all was stupid. But I think if they learned about Reva earlier in the show, it would have helped her character a lot. Yeah, I do think it would have. All right. And we'll go back to the fight here, Nick, on uh, the Rocky Moon. Obi-Wan gains the upper hand on him. This, I think, was our clearest episode six homage where you see him basically just slashing at Vader like Luke does. And we see that he does slice through Vader's helmet. And this is, again, this is, you pointed out, a lot of people are going to point out, this is a parallel to a fight that that Vader has with Ahsoka in Rebels where I think Ahsoka slices the left side of his helmet, Vader, Obi-Wan slices the right off. And a fun fact here, like, I think... Other, other way, I think. I think whatever, whatever it is, like, the the side that Obi-Wan slashes, like, is the side you see on episode six when they when Luke takes Vader's helmet off, that there's a scar on his head. We think that's, yeah, I think I came here. I think, I think you're right. And this is so poetic right here because Ahsoka and Obi-Wan were the two, and Padme, of course, but she's not with us anymore, were the two closest people to Anakin right before his turn. Now, I know he hadn't seen Ahsoka in a while, and then he saw her for a little bit and then turned, but his, his biggest supporters, if you will, the two people that cared about him the most were Ahsoka and Anakin, or excuse me, Ahsoka and Obi-Wan. And 
both of them have the similar duel with him, see him in the light a little bit, see him go back to the dark with the helmet half open. And then to make it even more poetic, Ahsoka one side, Obi-Wan one side, Luke the whole helmet. Luke takes him down and eventually removes the entire helmet off of him and sees the real Anakin. So Obi-Wan got a little bit of it. Ahsoka got a little bit of it. Luke saw the full. Yeah, Pete, what did you think of that uh, that sequence there? When we see him, the helmet gets sliced off, we get to see like Hayden Christian's face underneath the helmet for the first for the first time. Yeah, no, I think that was fantastic. I think that was the the best part of the sequence and, and the dialogue that comes after. Um, and what they did with his voice, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, in a second. But I think it was really cool. Um, and like you said, it probably explains that scar that's on the top of his head. Yeah, it does. And we do point out here that, like, this point is when Attic, he's, he's Anakin, like, it was when he basically stops, like, trying to kill him. He basically stops again, apologizes to Anakin, and basically went, goes through the whole, I failed you speech. And I do, I want to point out the quotes here that Anakin basically absolves everyone here. He claims that Vader killed Anakin. I'll give you the exact dialogue. And this is, it's again, done with the voice mods are going out to get a little bit of James Earl Jones, get a little bit of Hayden Christians filtering through. Sometimes you get a combo of both because the thing's malfunctioning. The exact quote is here. Anakin is gone. I am what remains. I am not your failure. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. Which, to me, not a big fan of this writing here, but it does directly give you the, the, the storyline that uh, Obi-Wan feeds to Luke in episode four, Nick. It does. You can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, I was having, I was having mic issues and then I muted by accident. Okay. It does. Um, I see it as something Vader would say, though. So I, I buy it. You know, I'm okay with it. And it really just shows you how you know, I, I never want to say this word about him, but how insane he is. He's a lunatic. He's gone completely off the deep end since Padme died. He's completely conflicted. It's like he's lost completely. And he's he's a lunatic. He's like it's almost it's kind of the same thing. You watch like Batman, like the you know, the, the like all the villains are like serial killers and stuff. He he's like a serial killer in reality. Think about it. He just kills people and he's and but he's backed by the government, I guess. You know, he gets a government bailout every time he does it. But he's a lunatic, and that's this, this is finally showing that he, a lot of people don't know this. They just watch the original trilogy or even just the prequels, and they think he was bad in the originals, and the prequels he was good, and they just turned bad. No, he was so conflicted the whole time that like it, it almost kind of takes away from the character of Luke a bit. It makes you think like, oh, well, you know, he was always in there. Luke just got it out, which is still great on Luke's part, but it's not like he was completely a bad guy and Luke turned him good. He's always conflicted. And this shows that he was just absolutely insane at this point in his life. Yeah. If you would think about the dialogue choice here from uh, Vader. I, I actually liked it a lot. I, I think that just because the writing seems weird, I always go back to, you know, what Nick pointed out when we first started this podcast, this is something he would have said within the suit. If you heard an invader's voice completely, it probably wouldn't have sounded corny. So I, I don't take the writing as corny. What I really, really like, though, is that you hear the, the the voice module go in and out. I think that was really, really cool. It still shows that Anakin is in that suit and it's not just some voiceover. Right. I mean, granted, we don't think that, but it, it's everyone thinks of Darth Vader as James Earl Jones, not Anakin Skywalker, even though that's the character. And this kind of gives it that connection that we needed um, on top of what happened in episode six, the movie. 
Um, I also kind of found it interesting, and they probably were just piggybacking off of technology from the sequels, but I found interesting that when both Anakin's voice and James Earl, James Earl Jones's voice, excuse me, came together, it sounded like Kylo Ren. I don't know if you guys picked up on that, but when I did not. Module and Anakin come through together, it sounds exactly like Kylo Ren's voice module. With his mask, you mean? Correct. So it, it, I don't know, again, if it was borrowed technology to try to get that, like, mix and they already had it made so they just used it or it's something to like tie in the sequels a little bit i don't know um but it, that's a stretch it probably isn't but it, it's still a cool little call call back or call forward i don't know to the sequels this is another one of those things there's a couple and more of them are going to come in this episode where if you want to be annoying and nitpick this you can and you could say but then again you have to nitpick rebels too this doesn't make sense, technically speaking, because the whole reason, not the whole reason he wears a suit, but one of the reasons he wears a suit on top of many others with the burns and all that is he can't talk. Anakin can't talk. If he can talk, we would just hear his voice being amplified throughout the suit. The reason we hear the other voice is because he has the voice box that's speaking for him when he kind of, I can't do it, you know, I'll try my best over but he kind of sounds kind of like this, so you can't hear. Yeah, he sounds so like it he sounds, would, like, he sounds, like, he sounds, he sounds like emphysema, basically. You wouldn't be able to understand him at all. So technically, this doesn't make any sense. But that's one of those things. Like, okay, fine. But does that ruin the story of Star Wars? No, it doesn't. But the same thing happened in Rebels. So, like, we're gonna say this is a problem, and that is too. So, so like, this is my this is my other. Uh, I don't want to say. I want to justify it, but like. He's screaming pretty loudly in episode three. Do you think his voice just goes over time? And the reason why he sounds that hoarse in the last episode is because it's just his voice over time has just gotten worse because he's deteriorating in health. I think it's more a fact that like, I think in both of those sequences, like the breathing apparatus is basically been damaged severely at that point. And like, you got to yeah. not be able to breathe correctly. He's is why his voice comes out so raspy. Right. But, it, but I mean, like, wouldn't it be raspy from, I mean, granted it was before the breathing apparatus, you know, in episode three, I just, I just figured that over time, the breathing apparatus made him have a raspy voice and we just haven't gotten to that point yet. That's kind of like my justification of it. I don't know if that's, that's you know what? It's really, it's from one of the comics where he can't speak, but you know what? The comic must be wrong then because he talks in return of the Jedi with his mask off. So yeah, he's very he's, he's, he's raspy there though as well, like right before he dies. No, he's raspy. He's no, he's raspy. But when I, when I I couldn't do it properly over the microphone. Yeah. But I mean, is like you can you have to like put your hand around your ear and go as close as you can like this to understand yeah. one word. Yeah, that's how it's supposed to be, or it was in that comic. But then again, you hear him. It's a little raspy, but you hear him in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I want to think. But whatever. I mean, it's it's a nit. That's one of those things that's completely nitpicky. Does not destroy Star Wars whatsoever. So, like, who cares? Vader's not supposed to talk at this time. Who cares? He talked. Yeah. One thing I also point out here, I think it's fun. The end of this scene here is that when he leaves, he calls him Darth, which he does in Episode Four as well, and we get to finally get the origin behind that. Because at first, like, oh, why is he calling him Darth? It's a title, and then he's the episode, and he basically he's just, he's just mocking him the whole time in Episode Four. I think that adds to the why it makes it more makes it more fun. Yeah, I think it was a great tie-in. Um, and I also think it, it's a, a great... It's a mocking kind of thing, but in this scene, it's more of like, Anakin Skywalker is actually dead. You're just an evil being. I'm just going to call you Darth. You're not Anakin. Like, there's no there's no point. There's no respect in calling you that, so I'm not. Nick, did you like the use of Darth? Yes, absolutely. 
I, I did. And I also liked how Obi-Wan won this fight. I think, you know, I had told you that, and, and you had mentioned this in the podcast last week to my prediction for episode six. I couldn't say it because I was confident what was going to happen. Let's just say I was 99% right on what was going to happen in this episode. So I'm happy I didn't comment, but Obi-Wan had to win this fight too. It didn't make sense if he lost this fight because you know that Vader's line in the last one is when you left me, I was still learning kind of thing. Now I'm the master. In other words, I was still conflicted. I was still too angry to, to beat you. Now I'll beat you, which I'll argue he didn't win. I'll argue Obi-Wan won the fight on the Death Star too, and and that Vader has never beaten Obi-Wan. But um, I loved the uh, the way he left, and I love how he, he's hearing um, Anakin scream Obi-Wan. kind of reminds me of Maul screaming Kenobi. Yeah. Yeah, it is a good parallel here. And then at this point, like, Obi-Wan leaves. He does sense that Luke's in peril. He flies to Tatooine. And Pete, we cut back here to Reva in the canyon, getting ready to, to execute Luke with the lightsaber. She's a little unconscious, like Luke laying there. And then she has these flashes as she sees herself lying there. And she has a moment of conflict where she's like sitting here like, oh, what am I become? What am I doing? And then we cut away, which obviously if we did not have a movie, so it would have been successful. But like, we all know Luke was going to live coming out of the series. But I did think it was nice to see that moment of like horror come across her face. She's like, wait, what the hell am I doing? Like, I was... Like, 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 nearly slaughter as a kid. Now I'm slaughtering children. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, this is Reva's best performance. Uh, is this episode? Um, there's a lot of plot holes, but I think I leave that to writers. But I think the performance of the character and how the character is um, portrayed is a lot better in this episode than it was in previous episodes. Again, just don't think it was executed right. Next point, maybe the reason why the acting is that way is because she needs to force herself. She's not really a dark, you know, dark person, but she becomes one. So it all makes sense now. But I, I, I think Reva, this is my favorite Reva scene of the whole six episode event. I had also mentioned earlier that I enjoyed, well, we didn't get to see it, but I like the idea of the way Reva turned to the dark side, how I mentioned, you know, 20 minutes ago. I also think it's really interesting how she turns to the light side because you see that she abandoned her lightsaber, right? Yeah. She abandoned her lightsaber. She says, Obi-Wan, I couldn't do it. She turns good, gives her advice, right? All that. And she goes off. I mean, I'll see her again, right? So every time we've had some sort of turn to the light, when Vader turned to the light, he died. When Kylo turned to the light, he died. Even when Maul, I mean, he didn't turn to the light, but even when he went against the Sith, he died. Like he was out, you know, at some point for his own Maul, more than some of the others. But even at the end, he was still a dark side user trying to kill Obi-Wan. He, we've never seen a character redemption that actually lives and to see what they can become. And to be honest, if I had to choose, I know there's a lot of rumors about a Reva spinoff. I mean, nothing confirmed yet, but I would rather see this. I think what we're going to see probably is the Reva spinoff that takes place directly after the show or a couple of years, whatever. I would rather see the Reva spinoff of her, not necessarily as a youngling, but her joining the Empire and faking her way through as being as an Inquisitor. I think that would be a really, really cool and interesting thing to see. How do they recruit inquisitors how do you what's the training like do you you know like 
what is it like getting into the Empire? We kind of see it in Solo for a minute where he signs up and the next thing you know, he's in a battle. But like, that's something that I'd be really interested to see. Yeah, and sorry, as a colleague that Nick mentioned here, I'll start update here, basically. Obi-Wan returns. He goes to the homestead, finds Owen Maru. They're about to go out and search for Luke. Mariva's carrying him back alive. She confesses to Obi-Wan she couldn't kill him. And she says, like, like what I've become, like, does that make me Vader? He basically gives her a great speech saying, you know, like, no, like, this makes you stronger than him because you resisted. And she has him like, now we're both free of Vader. And like Nick says, she's bar she basically buries her saber in the sand and tell Obi-Wan tells your future is not set. And Pete, what'd you think of the ending for the character here? I, I think it's open-ended. I think that again, done with the purpose. I think we're going to see Riva again, whether it's her own series and a different series. I don't know. Um, in a season two of this series, if they do decide to make a season two, um, I, I, I wish, and, and who knows if they make a spinoff of Riva it might make it better. But again, I just, I wish the execution of the character was a little bit better so that we could, I could feel a little bit more for the character. Um, again, I think I liked Riva the best in this episode versus the others, but it just, it, it, it was a good moment, but it was just kind of like, okay, like, it, like it, didn't, it didn't have an impact on me because they didn't, the character wasn't executed well throughout. Yeah. And Nick, now that we got Pete's take on it here, you I remember infamously in the preseason, you said that I have the spoiler is out there. The end of the show has been leaked. It directly tied to Riva. So you want to tell us what the spoiler was and like your take I on how will. this played out. I will tell you now there were two. There were two. One of them became true. One of them did not. Uh, the one that became true was the main spoiler that people were talking about. People, you know, if you ever saw anyone say, I know the ending, this is the main spoiler. And the main spoiler was Riva will find her way to Tatooine and find Luke. Get to a spot where or get to a situation where she can kill Luke, but will not because Obi-Wan will console her. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Talk her out, basically talk her down. Talk, talk her out of it, you know, talk her out of it and give her guidance where then she will stop and leave. That's exactly what happened. Pretty much. My part of Obi-Wan talk her out of it. She's because she did. Her yeah, stuff. but he does talk to her after the fact yeah. to make her leave. Like yeah. she's still kind of conflicted in that moment. Yeah. And the spoiler that wasn't true, which I think would have absolutely demolished Star Wars to the point where we can never we have to end the Sky Gods podcast. <laughs> would be was Reva, which is why I was terrified after episode five, because the spoiler was, or not a spoiler, the leak was Reva will learn about the children's existence, which she did through the message, at least Luke, I think Leia too. I'm not sure if she put the pieces together, but it said children, not child. And then she will tell Vader about his children. He will not believe her and kill her. And I think that would completely destroy Star Wars if he knew, but didn't believe her. And uh, thank God that didn't happen because Vader knew he had children or even heard about it. I think that just completely destroys Star Wars. Yeah, Pete, that would have been bad. That would have been terrible. Would have been terrible. I mean, it's it's. And you can imagine because I'm th I know this from be before the season started, and when I see the end of episode five when she learns about the children, and I go, "Oh my God, it's actually happening!" I was freaking out. So I, I loved episode five. I, I'm not sure if you mentioned my rating. I gave it a 10. But that one 10 second ending was like, oh my God, they're going to do it. They're going to destroy this franchise. But thank thank 
God, they did not. And remember, off video text, he said, if the if what I worry about happens, happens, this this gets a zero, regardless of what happens in the rest of the episode. Yeah. Oh, I mean, would you agree? Yeah. That would that would completely that like what's the most important thing to break like that would that you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. if you could change one thing in Star Wars of that magnitude, is there anything worse? Probably not. Unless maybe Anakin knew Palpatine was lying all along, like that would be bad too. Probably not even as bad, right? I don't think so, no. No, I think this is the worst possible little like thing like that that could have happened. So thank God it didn't happen. Yeah, I think Pete, this would have finally if this had happened, this would have dropped this well below Boba Fett in terms of our show show rankings here. Yeah, I mean that would be that'd be horrible. I don't know. <laughs> I was I was talking to one of my one of my friends today uh, that were you know uh, we were we were working and I was like you know I feel like Book of Boba Fett's the benchmark when it comes to Star Wars shows if it's anything better than Book of Boba Fett's success you know it's just like that's just like my benchmark now uh, but yeah I mean that that would have been inexcusable you you'd have to you'd have to retcon at some point to try to fix the franchise if that was the case you'd have to say like obi-wan is a legend story then or something like yeah. that just to like make sure you're not killing canon yep so that's set up here we'll talk more about Rio next week let's go ahead here so i so do some of the basically the, now we're in the epilogue portion of the episode here we see vader on castle Musfar. he's basically talking to the emperor over hologram and nick we sort of put the bow on this where palatine basically says hey like why are you so obsessed with Obi-Wan? Like, this is a bad for you. Like, let him go. We got more important things to work on. Basically, kind of like throws like shade at, at Vader. He says, hey, like, you know, like, I don't have to worry about you, do I? And he, Vader's like, no, 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 I'm loyal to you. And then we just get the Imperial March plan. He sits in the palace alone on, on Mustafar. I thought that was a probably way to work the Emperor in. Powerful scene, too. And that's what the Emperor wants out of him. He wants to... He wants to... What's the word I'm looking for? Like, you, you, let's say you're like a father and you just like intimidate you're not yeah you're not actually mad at your son but you kind of just say like do better and walk away kind of thing leave him thinking about it you know what i mean yeah make him make uh the make himself live rent free in the in the invader's head and that's exactly what he wants because the more vader is conflicted the more evil he'll become yeah it's a good point it also sets up nicely that the why vader is not looking for does not go looking for obi-wan after this yeah yeah true that's taken care of here. And then we see that Leia's on Alderaan. She wears Tala's holster. She talks to Bale at one point about, hey, like, you know, like, we can do things differently going forward here. And I think, Pete, this is the another point that I thought that was a little hokey me. That basically, the way they phrase, like, the 10-year-old Leia decides to start the rebellion right there. Pretty much. She's like, she's like, hey, if I'm going to do this, we need <laughs> She says, like, if I'm going to do this, we're going to have to talk about this. We're going to change some stuff. I was like, okay. It's I, let me see your manager. Leia came out again. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah. Which she has a big personality. It's Leia Organa, so it's it's expected. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think that's just kind of like again the inkling of the rebellion right there. Yeah, John Stanko's favorite version of Leia. Yeah, the let me see your manager, Leia. Yep. Yeah, so that that happens, and we see that Obi Wan is flown out to Alderaan to visit Leia. Visit Leia. He returns Lola. He promises help to Bale if he ever needed. He then threads another through line to four where Bale calls on him for help again. And I want to highlight the speech he gives to Leia. And before I do that, Nick, I will point out here, nice that this is the first time in this show we see Obi-Wan smile. It's the first time we actually 
see him smiles as he sees Anakin in episode three before they before he leaves to go get Grievous. So fun little like, parallel. First time he smiled in ten years. Yeah, very nice. And uh, I'm happy it was Obi Wan on the ship because when they landed and she's like more cousins, I'm like, oh really? They're gonna do that again with the cousins? <laughs> I like, really thought there were gonna be something else like that. So I was happy it was Obi Wan and. Yeah, I was hoping. We, don't, for, don't don't forget, Bale called for him in Rogue One. Yes, which we'll get to next month. Yeah, well, Bale calls from there, and I, and Nick, I was hoping for about six R two so I could win the draft. I had no shot at that. Uh yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, R two D two and three C three P O did not make an appearance in, in this episode. Yeah, so he as he leaves, he gives a speech to Leia and Pete. He says, "I have the exact words here." Princess Leia Organa, you are wise, discerning, kind-hearted. These are qualities that came from your mother, he tells her. But you're also passionate and fearless, forthright. These are gifts from your father. Both exceptional people were born exceptional daughters. So, like, that's the one I feel like emotion really, like, comes through on that one. Like, especially if you invested in the prequels and got into the relationship with those, those two characters. And then to have that moment there, it's like, I wish I could tell you more. And Leia says, I don't need more. And she like, looks over to Bale and Brea. I thought that was a very nice scene. Uh, it was it was a beautiful scene. I think that this was uh, Obi Wan drops some knowledge on Leia. You know, like you won't be ten forever, and 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 this. I, I really really like this. I also really like that he tells Leia like, "Hey, don't don't tell anyone that you know me or that I exist," because that was a nice little plot hole that would have been weird to explain. You know, between now and four, um, but it's uh, it, it was a very very nice scene, and it's it's a powerful scene because. For those who watch the prequels and, and have invested in the characters, know that like dang, a thousand percent true. And these are characters that you, you know, for us, when the movies came out, we were younger. We kind of grew up with these characters a little bit. So it's it's um it was nice to hear. It was cool. Nick, how do you like the speech he gives here to Leia about like the attributes that she has from her parents? I loved it. And I thought they were both. Um, I thought they were both. I thought they were all true, you know? Yep, it, it is all true. And as Pete mentioned earlier, we covered the other plot hole of Leia supposedly not knowing Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan tells her, he's like, hey, like, you know, like, if you need help from a tired old man, I'll be here, but don't advertise that we know each other because we'd be bad for both of us. So 10-year-old Leia takes that advice to heart and she never brings it up again. Yeah, I, I like that part. Yeah. That's, that's great. That that gets rid of the that gets rid of the plot hole of how come she didn't, she acted like she didn't know him. Yeah, because... She has no idea who the message is going to, so like she's just you know playing it cool. Yeah, that's that's how it is. And and look, people have a complaint. How come she didn't freak out when he died? I said it earlier. She's been involved in the rebellion since I'm going to assume pretty much right after this. Yep. As a little girl, probably 12 years old, she'd been involved. She probably sees people who are very close to her die all the time. She she already witnessed her parents dying. Yeah. Not like from afar that day, I'm assuming could have been a day or two later. I don't really know. Can't really see the sun in space, you know? Yeah. But I don't think it's that big of a deal that she didn't go crazy when Obi-Wan died. No, she also is probably being like strong for like a situation. You know, like we got to get off this base. I can't freak out right here. Like I'm like this farm kid who's like just melting down because he saw like his one friend die. Right. If she's not melting down at seeing her home plant get destroyed and her own parents get destroyed, uh, I doubt that a bigger rise is going to come out of her from Obi-Wan, you know, dying. 
And we do go back to yeah, ta- she has a very strong relationship with her parents, which we saw. Yep. In this show, which was nice to see. We never got anything like that before, really. Yeah, we still might down the road. We could, but anyway, we're gonna go back to Obi Wan. He abandons the cave because so I can go back to eventually the boy to this hut. So he goes back to vo- visit Owen and Luke. We get this nice conversation here with Owen where they basically talk about how, you know, like, oh, we have different ideas. And Obi-Wan basically realizes, hey, you know, like, you can take you take care of your way if the future calls for Luke, the future calls for Luke. And I did think it was nice, Nick, that we sort of set this up where, like, we sort of have this situation here where in episode four where Owen's like, oh, you know, like, I don't like Obi-Wan. I don't like Ben. He's a hermit. And we sort of see that they sort of agree, sort of stay out of each other's way, basically, and let Luke grow up like he's like he's going to have a choice to grow up. I completely agree. The only thing I do not like about how Obi-Wan is acting right now for Leia and with Luke, he's acting as if it's all over and Vader will never return. Like he knows Vader's alive and he knows the empire is still in complete control. He knows the empire is still a threat. Nothing's really changed since when this series started, except Owen's a little more warm towards him. That's pretty much it. Yeah. I think he's so, I he think, was a hermit back then. Why is he so happy-go-lucky now? Like the, the the galaxy is still doomed. I think it's more of a sense where he's like sort of feels like you know like it's no longer like it's not my my bird my burden alone anymore. Right? People who there are people out there who are trying to enact change. So like when the time comes, like they'll, yes, they'll get involved in it. That that is definitely true. That is definitely true. But remember, basically, two people completely destroyed the Republic. Yep. So. You're going to need a lot more than a few people on a ship with a bunch of little kids and Ice Cube's son. Yeah. <laughs> you need a lot more people than that. Yeah. We'll mention that here. He goes back to visit Luke, Owen and Luke. And Owen basically says, okay, you know, you can do your things. Like, I think Baru kind of like nudges on. He's like, hey, you want to meet meet the kid? And he goes over to Luke and Pete, we finally get hello there. We get it right here. And I think it was the perfect part. I mean, it, it, he's in a dark place for a lot of the, the season. For him to just do it randomly would have felt weird. This was a very, very, very good part um, to put it in. And I think, uh, honestly, you know, there's another scene after, and I understand why they put the scene, but if it ended right there with just Obi-Wan looking down Luke and going, hello there, and then just cut to black and it said Obi-Wan Kenobi, I, I would have been completely fine with that ending. Yeah, and Nick, I watched this episode very early in the morning here. When this happened, I probably had the biggest shit-eating grin on my face. I'm like, they finally said the line. Yeah, uh, definitely. And uh, can, can you play it? Yeah, I will play it again. Hello there. There it is. Yeah, yeah staying on. That the, was great. Staying it was great. The, and they, they did it perfect, and it didn't. They didn't make it. I don't know. Like, didn't make it seem like it was a meme. No, no, it was just him being friendly. He gives him the toy that we see in episode four. He leaves here, and Nick, another the moment you're excited for. He's he's riding on his UP. He's heading out in the desert, and then we finally see the Force goes to Qui Gon. Like he's in the desert, and Obi Wan's like Qui Gon. I was like, I've been trying to reach for you, and Qui Gon says like, What took? He says, What took you so long? I thought I got a big kick out of that. He basically says to him, You know, like I was always here, but you were not ready to see me. I think it's an interesting theory on the idea of the Force goes. Is that like you know, Obi Wan is not ready to be. He possessed that knowledge because he was still blaming himself by letting that big burning a trauma go. He was not ready to embrace what Qui Gon had going on. Right, he needed to confront his own demons before he was ready. Was able to see that he needed to focus on the living force and what's in front of him, and not on the horizon. Yeah, and that's what he was able to do because he was able to focus on the here and now because the horizon was no longer a concern to him. And this is another one of those nitpicky moments. 
technically speaking, Qui-Gon Jinn never learned to be a Force ghost. And if he was a Force ghost, why was he never in the original trilogy? Why was he not? I mean, we saw Liam Neeson on TV. We saw an episode of a Star Wars TV show with Liam Neeson, Ian McDermott, Ewan McGregor, Hayden Christensen, Luke, Owen, and Baru, Leia, Bail Organa, and Briha, I think her name is, right? And Roken. And we saw all these characters, and we're going to complain because, oh, Qui-Gon is not technically a Force Ghost in this time. Like, shut up. Yeah. Yeah, P, I think I did a good job with this, though. I mean, the CGI for for de-aging Liam Neeson worked pretty well, too. No, it's it's funny. I uh, shout out to my final coast folks. I was, I was talking to him about it, and, he, and the first thing he came up was like, did, did he goes, did Liam Neeson look older than when, like, back when he was in Phantom S? And I thought he did. And I agreed with them. I said, yeah. I said, maybe they just didn't have the budget to de-age Liam Neeson for like a 30-second part. But he looked older than he did in Phantom Menace. So I don't know if they did any de-aging. Maybe I just didn't see it clearly. But it's funny you brought that up because that was like one of the first things he said to me. He's like, did he did he look older? Like, I thought Force Ghost, like, it's it's that doesn't work like that. I'm like, I, I have no clue. I was like, it's probably. He actually, he had a significantly longer beard. Yeah. Oh, so but maybe- I, I mean, I don't care. I, I think he looked great. Yeah, I mean, I even I even said to Kyle, I was like, at this point, like it, it's Liam Neeson. Like, you know, we both said that too. We're like, yeah, it's like it was a cool part, but it just, I was I was thinking about, it. I was like, yeah, he did look older, didn't he? Yeah, he did look older, and then we basically see that. Oh, we want Quran says, come on, I'll take you the rest of the way, and that's the end of the show. And if we never get more Obi Wan again, I thought this is a very fun way to leave that character. You see, he's doing the Alec, he's on the Alec in his path, and that I know Ewan McGregor is saying this next week, he's open to doing more, but for me, like. This this ended perfectly. I don't. We do not need to see more of this. Well, that that is something that we can discuss next week because that's a perfect discussion for next week. It's on the list for next week. Great. All right, it is on the list next week. Let's do some some uh, our our regular uh, stuff here for the end of the podcast. Here we're gonna go to start off here with the character draft, and this took a wild turn today going on here. Pete came to the league leading five to three. We have a six six tie now because Pete got all six periods out of Leia again. And Nick this week got Bale. He got Palpatine. And he got Qui-Gon. So we are tied six six. And I got my one in the premiere. So I'm completely out of this. I don't know how we're breaking this tie next week. I, I want to just say something. You had mentioned to me off the air that maybe Brusha will be our guest next week. Spoiler alert to those. Should break the tie. I don't think he should break the tie because I'm probably going to talk to him and complain to him that I should win. And then he might take that as a way to say, oh, you're right. You know, I'll give it to you kind of thing. I think it should be a complete neutral party that either me or Pete can discuss with. I think we should leave it up to screen time. I think the thing for me that would, the way I see it. <laughs> I think we should leave it up to more characters. I think the, I think the way, I think there's two options I see here. Number one, we, we put this in with, we, we, whoever does better in Andor wins this. We can do that way. Option number two is like I would lean towards giving the edge to Pete because Qui-Gon's first appearance was, was him in a dream with flashback footage from episode one. I think you should ask either Stenko or Faz and have their opinion and just have them get back to you because if you ask pressure, I, I'm going to influence him before you get to ask him. So I will text Faz like in, in between the week here, see what he thinks about this because for me, the one that's in question is the Qui-Gon appearance in part one when he's in, in his dream. I think it's fair. I think it should still count. I mean, he's he makes an on-screen appearance. So obviously, obviously, I'm biased, but in my in my mind, it's I got three characters out of my four that should mean something. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, it's tough because Pete basically got the, the third main character in the show. Screen time for me, though, is like off the charts. Yes. It's like it Pete, is. if it's screen time, Pete's winning because Leia was the was basically Obi-Wan sidekick the whole show. It is. It's true. We, I think we should, we will have, we will figure this out in between here, what we're going to do with this tie. That's something to keep in mind here. I'm, whoever, I'm buying something for somebody because only, I only got R2D2 and they did not go in the Clone War cameo direction. That is fair. All right. So next up. And if you really, really can't break the tie, if you ask Fad, he's, I don't know. And you ask Stanker, he's, I don't know. But then I vote we do, one of us gets the Funko Pop, the other one gets to pick the draft order. For the next, that's one of the other things we do. Is we'll, we'll do something. We go down the middle or something. But I'm sure we'll get an answer from them. Yeah, I'm sure we will here. And now we're getting to some of our trackers here, which we do every week to go through the season here to update here. The Hondo tracker never never came up again. No Hondo in this show. 18 appearances still for Hondo, and we're gonna keep carrying it every show we could possibly be alive in. Nick, that's really a shame. It's really a shame we didn't get any Hondo. I think Pete. Once I saw that article before the season, how we're not going to get all these like, uh, like animated cameos. I was like, okay, I think Hondo's done. Yeah, it, like Nick said, it's a shame. I mean, it's it would have been cool. It makes sense too because Obi Wan and Hondo have that relationship. So, sorry, Mike. Yeah, yeah. I I think we will see him someday. May not be in this show. Maybe in Andor. Maybe Ahsoka. Maybe he has Jude Law and Skeleton Crew. I think we're gonna get him one day. I think so. I, my money's on Jude Law. That's my hunch. I mean, it makes sense. It's it's a good casting, I think, for that. All right. Next up here, the animated characters. We only got the Terra Sanub and the Inquisitor Vault, Nick. So it's our only one animated cameo on this show. That's all right. We got a lot of animated cameos coming up in Ahsoka. Ahsoka's going to be, I think we're going to have to do separate Rebels and Clone Wars trackers. I am a little... Well, I actually want to know though, because like we can't count, or I don't know. You tell me. Sabine is going to be in that show. She doesn't count, then, does she? No. Right. So it like, might be less than we think, because I think a lot of these characters could be confirmed by the time we get to the show. I think we'll be more of like anybody we see in that first trailer, or we have confirmed casting for, will not count in the uh, thing. That's the way I mm-hmm. always rule it. I, I agree. I agree. Live action cameos here. Fourteen total for this show. We got six Leia's. We got three from Bale. The droids were in episode were in part one. We got the Emperor this week, and we got Qui-Gon in part one and part six. So 14, Pete. That's great. Wait, before Pete even brings it up, I have to mention we had 14. Am I, am I missing something here? I think all 14 were on our character board. Uh not 3PR. Everybody else was. Oh, okay. I thought you had picked droids. Yeah, you picked R2. But yeah, that's amazing. We did a great job. Yeah. I think that's great. I um I'm glad that they went that route. I, I am glad. No matter how the character draft goes, like I, I, I'm glad that they they brought back characters from the original trilogy. Um, excuse me. I'm sorry. The prequel trilogy, um, and set up the original trilogy uh, really well as well. I, I think I think it was the way to do it, and I think they executed that perfectly. All right, the Inquisitor tracker. This was a big bust, Nick. We only ended up with four total because we got our four of the first two episodes. We never saw more. I've, Said multiple yes, weeks it's here. It's the Deadpool Mansion. It's the Deadpool Mansion. Deadpool Man. I heard it. I heard you say it to both of our guests when I was when I was away. I was flying when I listened to both of them. I heard you mention it, and you're right. I thought there'd be more of them, and maybe there are more. Maybe there aren't more of them. I don't even know. And 
And honestly, three of them did nothing throughout the show here. I'd be honest. You can tell me how you guys feel. I would rather there only be three or four Inquisitors than like 12. The thing that's stupid, though, is we know there's more than three or four. Yes. Yes. But if if there's only like three or four at a time, I think that would be better for the story. So you can get, you know, I mentioned this numerous times. It's like you get to know a character more when there's less of them, right? Yeah, again, let's just, we'll talk about this next week. I have this on my list. Like, did we need the Inquisitors? That's that's on my list for next week. Next up here, the Jedi Tracker. Pete, I'm giving Qui Gon credit for appearing as a Force because I want to bump that up to two. Yeah, I think it's fair. I mean, I think if if you're going to count it for the the, the tracker that we have, you have to count it on the on the the other tracker. So I think that's so, Mike. I think you need to make it three. Who's that? Anakin. I don't think he can. He's never really there. He was in the flashback. As a Jedi. What do you think, Peach? Should we, should we include that? He is in the flashback as a Jedi. I All mean, right. that, that assessment. All right. So I'll, I'll bump that to three. So we'll put that in there. And the classic line track got to work out this week. We added in oh, yeah. another May the Force be with you when, when uh, I think Obi-Wan says goodbye to Leia. We'll get the I do what I must. And we got hello there. So add that to the three we already had. So six classic lines, Nick. Six episodes, six classic lines. One per episode. Not really how it worked out, but on average it did. It absolutely did. And planets here. I'm adding the Rocky Moon. You know, we never got a name for it. So eight planets total visited in this series, Pete. Which is great. I mean, six six parts, eight plants. I think that's a really good mix. It's a lot better than the seven and two we got in Boba Fett. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Cause it, so I think we only got on both. I think we only actually got three. I think we got the there. The wheel world was that he was uh going to see the see the uh, armor on, and he got Luke's planet along with uh, Tatooine. All right. Yeah. Next up here, we we'll do our MVPs and LEPs for the episodes. So as of right now, I'm going to go ahead and throw up the MVP and LVP board. This is through part five here and. As of right now, we have a tie at the top of the leaderboard. That's going to change here. Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader, Tala plus four. Tala plus three. Leia plus one. Uncle Owen plus one. And Haja plus one. They're the only positive characters here. Baylor again was positive last week, but Pete and I dumped him out for that poor communicator. I get down to negative one. Leia's cousin, negative one. The fifth brother, negative one. Broken, thanks to Nick, negative one. Disney, also thanks to Nick, negative one. Stanko's writers, negative one. Imperial Security, negative two. Then bottom two, tied at negative three each. Reva and the Flea Gang are all negative three here. Do you feel like Disney and the writers should be combined? I don't think so. I think there's decisions that go over the writers' heads. Can I I make a... Agreed. A... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? A motion to not use the writers. And the reason why I say that is because all the MVP points we give are because of the writers. They wrote those parts. So if we're going to give an MVP, like let's say Obi-Wan for his performance, the writers wrote that. And then it's like, oh, well, Reva did a hard, oh, well, we're just going to do the writers because this made no sense. Like I I feel like if we're giving MVP points for that episode, it's counterintuitive to give the LVP to the writers. You know what I'm saying? We can always reform in the future and call it production. Sure, I just I just find it to be a, like an oxymoron. It's like we're going to give an MVP point to a character that the writers wrote, but then we're going to give an LVP to the writers. 
that's that's just kind of where I'm coming from. It doesn't. I just wanted to put that out there to you guys. We'll add to Mike Brush's list for next. See what he thinks about that. Yeah, I think that'd be good. Yeah, get a, get a neutral party's opinion on this. And uh, I agree, but I'd like to get Brush's opinion now. Also, I'm gonna throw out here is that we all agree that Obi Wan is the MVP of this episode. We're all gonna give him a point automatically and make him plus seven on the season. So we're not gonna waste our time doing that. We're gonna give some other characters some love here. So we'll give everybody a non Obi Wan MVP here. Nick, do you want to go first on this department? I will. I will take Uncle Owen. I think he did a tremendous job in this episode at showing his care and love for Luke, even though he is not his real child, actually not even blood related to the kid at all. And I think that in episode four, which is when uh, I don't mean in this show, I mean in the movie, when we are first introduced to Uncle Owen, he looks like he's a like an ass. Like he's like so mean to Luke and this and that. But when you when you see this show, you you see how much he actually cares for Luke. And that's a very important thing. Uh Pete, who's your non Obi-Wan MVP? My honorable mention for it is Darth Vader because he's just such a badass and I love the character in, in this series. But my MVP is actually going to go to Amperu because I feel like without Amperu, Uncle O was not going to start fighting in his homestead. He was going to try to do something different. So I, I have to give it to her because she still sat there and fought alongside um, him. But she was the one that was like, no, we're not running. You're an idiot for making Obi-Wan stay his distance like we're doing this. So I give it to her. I'm going to be controversial here at this one. And keep in mind, we are going to have it all of MV- We're going to have a point next week, including Brescia. I think I know what you're about to say. To adjust, ahead, to adjust the board here. So I'm giving Reva an MVP point this week. I'm fine with that. Because I think this is her, by far her best episode. She shows some emotional growth. And I'm excited for the journey this character is going on in future properties because you know this is not the last we're seeing her. She realizes that, you know, like, what am I doing here? Like, I made the wrong thing. She took Obi-Wan's, like, wisdom to heart. She didn't just reject it out of sight, out of mind. She decided to forge a new path for herself. She didn't break Star Wars canon, which is important to us here. So Reva gets an MVP. It is out of the tie with the Fleet Gang. Uh, I'm okay with it. I am completely okay with it. Hmm. You almost wrote the Fleet Gang because he said it. Yeah. You started with the T. I saw that. Unless you missed the R. I don't know. I was I was trying to write the R. I missed it. So <laughs> we'll go the other way now. The LVPs here. So, Pete, you want to start with Who is the LVP of this, of this episode? Um... And this this one's a, a, a tough one. Uh, come back to me. I have a couple in my mind, but I come back to me. Nick, do you have one? You need me to go. I do. I I know we kind of just talked about how we shouldn't do this. I'm not necessarily. I'm not doing the writers, but I have to give it to Disney. The fact that on where's my cursor? One second. Here it is. The fact that on. May 18th, which is now called a month ago, I knew how this show was going to end is absurd. This is one of the biggest companies, maybe the biggest production company in the world, right? Yep. I don't know. Are they? They're up there. How is this getting out? Do people know how a show is going to end? This is supposed to be their biggest show ever, too. This is That's absurd. Yeah, that's pretty bad. That's absurd to me. I, I, I know you had mentioned it real quick last week when I wasn't here. And I think even the week before you said something small and for throughout the, throughout this podcast for the last six weeks, I've been, you know, zipping my lips and texting you guys. Like my lips are sealed, like stuff like that. Cause I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil it. I can't believe it. Actually, it actually was exactly what they said. That's a joke. 
that they got out. All right. Pete, you think you need more time still? So. I have one if you need more time. I'm going to I'm gonna get, because I can't think of a character that I was just like so like upset with, like they didn't really add anything. I feel like everyone pretty much put a strong in. I'm going to go to Disney as well, but not because of the leaks. And I'm not doing the writers. I'm not going back on the writing of the show. I'm talking about Disney. For some reason, not going over a 60-minute runtime. I just feel like the length could have been a little bit longer. You could have maybe worked out a longer fight scene, a cooler fight scene, maybe even just the show in general, which we'll talk about in the recap. There, You could cut out a couple minutes here, add a couple minutes here. I just I want to give it to the overall Disney production of the show for not pushing this to be a little bit longer. Okay. I'm going to give one to Vader as my LVP of the week because... Do that. Yeah. Oh. Because I think the way I see it is simple here. The Grand Inquisitor laid out to him perfectly. One Jedi, an entire rebellion. He chooses the one Jedi and he's not get the one Jedi. He lets his uh, tunnel vision basically ruin his prospects here. He accomplishes nothing he's supposed to. He gets like basically scolded by the Emperor at the end of the episode. He's sitting alone in the palace, in his palace on Mustafar. I know he's got bigger moments ahead, including one we're going to talk about next month in Rogue One, but. This is not a good episode for Vader to end on here. So I'm going to give him the LVP. I, I, it wasn't a good decision, but I don't think it's a bad episode, like a bad way for Vader. And I think his sequence and the way he talks was epic. He also got, I, he gets, does get his ass kicked by Obi-Wan. He has to. Yeah. That's the whole. I mean, it's not like to me, it's not like Book of Boba where he's like, I can't use my jetpack. Like he literally fought and got his ass beat. I mean, that was just pretty much what it was. At least he fought. And and I'll be honest, the fight scene, choreographic or not, we finally see Vader at pretty much his, his highest strength while he's in the suit. And we have not seen that until today. We saw a little bit of it in Rogue One, like a tiny bit of it in the hallway scene of Rogue One. We don't see it in the originals. This is the only time we've seen Vader in suit being a complete badass. And then also having some really cool things happen as well. I agree with you. Horrible decision. <laughs> he probably should have just went to the Rebellion. Yeah. As I said, that's why he's the LVP. Why, why couldn't he just, and eventually he did, but like, why couldn't the whole rest of the Empire just go to the Rebellion and Vader leave? But like, it's kind of what happened, but like, I don't get it. Like, maybe I'm missing something. That's why he, Vader Vader took his shuttle and left, right? Yeah, they followed Obi Wan's ship wherever he was. So how did the Empire get away? Because he took the whole Star Story with him. They stopped tracking the other. Oh, that, so you're saying he didn't just do it right then and there and go. He yeah. followed the ship and then went. Yes. So yeah. he should have just went, and they should have just stayed on the on the yeah. uh, the path. Yeah, he should have said, "Granting, like I'm getting in my Tie Fighter. I'm going to go after it myself. Gi, you take the Star Story and go destroy those guys." Yeah. That's a horrible business decision. Yeah, I agree. That, that's why he's the LVP, in my opinion. Because this tunnel bitch, he said, I had to get Obi-Wan basically using a bazooka to try and kill an ant. Yeah, right. All right. And now, the best part here. Episode grades here. Next week, we're going to find out how these episodes ranked. Wait, there are a couple of four right, grades each. This one is only three. So, uh, Nick, since you have not been able to grade in person for a while, you want to give me your grade for this episode. Sure, I will. I am going to give this episode a 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10. 
Yep, I thought it was a great episode. I have very little complaints with it. Um, really, for how they started this series and for how they went along with it, I don't think there's much more they could have done to wrap it up better. It wasn't perfect, so I can't get to me. I can't say it was a ten, but it was pretty close. So I think it's a nine. It's pretty much as good as it could have been, and I don't really have any issues. I give it a nine point five. Like I said, there are minor nitpicks in here that keep it from a 10, but like this is still highly enjoyable. And I think they did stick the landing, which I was I was very worried they're gonna have trouble doing last week. Yeah, that, that's agree agree. They completely stuck the landing. Uh Pete, what's your grade? My my grade is simply a 10. Um I, I think this episode was better than last week's episode. Um I'm not going to nitpick because I've said time and time again, we're watching a show slash movie series about people who fly through space using laser swords. Um, that is never going to happen ever in our lifetime. So I understand the nitpicky stuff, but I'm not going to nitpick. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It gave me everything I wanted. It, like Nick said, couldn't have ended better. They did everything they could. Their cannon was preserved as well, which would have knocked a lot of points off if they didn't. I'm giving it a 10. All right, so Pete's first ever 10. First ever 10. I have I still have not given out a 10 in my time on this on on this podcast over an episode. I've given two this show. Yeah, I, I the night this is a hot my high all time 9.5. Episode one and episode five, I gave pens. Yeah. I think, yeah, the, uh, we'll see next week how these episodes ended up rating and I'll, I'll have the full list of how they landed here. You guys have a rough idea of where they ended up. I'll it'll be fun to get the exact breakdown here. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you right now, of my opinion, one and five and six were unbelievably good. Two and three were pretty good, and four I thought sucked. <laughs> like I hated four so much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see next week how this ended up here, and with that, we're we're gonna stop it here because. We don't want to spend another 45 minutes talking about what could happen. We're going to do a whole separate podcast of that with Mike Brescian next week. I want to thank you guys for coming on here. Pete, if you want to find us on social media, can they do that? At PJConsidori29 on Twitter. Um, just tweeting out the Star Wars stuff. Uh, Stanley Cup Final is on currently. And uh, Igor Shesterkin won the Vezina Trophy Best Goalie this season. So that was cool to see. Absolutely. And Nick, if you want to follow you on the social media street, how can they do that? At uh, Nick Fry underscore nine, uh, we we just retweet this stuff. I don't really tweet anything else. All right, there you have. It. You can follow me on Twitter, mphilips three three one. That's m p h i l i p s three three one. Nick, we did an NBA draft preview on the Justin and Suffering podcast. Big NBA offseason episode as well with the guys. The Sorry to Interrupt podcast. Sean Rowe, Tom Bacchino. Have a long conversation with them. I think you should definitely check that episode. I think you enjoy it. Well, when's the draft? Draft is tomorrow night. We out to I, and if you're listening to the Sky Guys feel, be out the day of the day of the episode release. That's what I was getting at. That's what I wanted you to say. Yeah, so yeah, that's right. Yeah, so check that one out as well. You can follow me on Twitter, mphilips three three one. It's m p h i l i p s three three one. We'll be back next week to talk more Obi Wan Kenobi. Now we have seen the entire show, but until then, may the force be with you. <laughs>